This is podcast 356, believe it or not. And the subject is imputation. Imputation, which is a theological word most of the time, in practical everyday life, which is, as Kazan himself said um, long ago to me in person, he said, imputation is the point of the pencil. That is, it's the point of the pencil which actually writes, indicts, I-N-D-I-T-E-S, the word of God into your actual life. And it uh, draws a cue from Jerry Rafferty. You remember Jerry Rafferty from the late 70s? All his songs sound exactly the same to me, but they're beautiful. They're all basically lovely love songs, albeit about four of them all sound exactly the same, the big ones. But this particular one, um, right down the line, is very powerful because it describes a man... Uh, well, I'll wait, and I'll wait in just a minute and talk about the details of the song. It's worth, it's worth talking about, and you're worth talking about, and our imputations, and mainly the way people impute to us. I can't use this um, podcast as a means to sort of tell you to start imputing to people because you won't do it. Uh, the only way I can <clears throat> actually as a, a Christian um, exponent or friend is to ask you to look at the times that people have imputed to you something you didn't have intrinsically and the effect and, and try to get you to sort of um, assimilate and re-feel the way it felt when someone imputed to you something you did not in fact have or certainly didn't think you had by nature. Now, the other day I'm talking to someone whom I um, uh, like very, very much and uh, someone who, who's a real friend somewhere, um, and he describes his uh, 25-year-old son who's very lost. We've all seen this. We have children. We've, we've been that child, a better way of putting it. You, you have a child who's lost. You have a child who seems to be naturally going through life happily and well and with satisfaction and with fulfillment and often with success. And then you have one who's sort of a mixed bag who's a work in progress, but sometimes you have a child who's really lost, can't find his way. And we um, saw this once. I was doing a, a funeral of a rather high-flying New York politician, and he and his brothers were um, there uh, mourning the loss of their father, whom I was burying um, near Terrytown somewhere. And um, suddenly, it was a casket burial. One of the brothers jumped in to, like Ophelia, you know, like Ophelia in, uh, in Hamlet. One of the brothers, I think the youngest one, jumped in to the grave where the father was and started going uh, kind of crazy. He was so upset. It wasn't so much he was, he was uh, mourning, he was angry. And uh, I'd only seen that twice before when someone would actually jump into the casket. And I remember um, my <clears throat> friend, the, who was the reason that I was actually there, later saying to me, you, you know, this brother of ours, we love him, but he's, he's really lost, whether it was drug addiction or um, tremendous emotional, um, what's the word, Un, uh, uh, when um, the lightning bolt strikes, um, there hadn't been a chance for him to really abreact his uh, terrible feelings about this, that, and the other thing. And um, there it was. 
And uh, I was talking to my friend, as I said, someone I really love. Don't know that well, but I love him. And he was describing his son, who's lost, one of his sons, who's age 25 and lost. And he then began to uh, go into some detail about his strategy towards this son, whom I believe lives at home. And the son uh, uh, is being lectured by his father. And his father, I won't even go into what his father said, but his father was basically sort of giving him a series of what we thought were might be reality checks. He was giving, you know, well, if you do this, it'll be fine, but if you don't do that, it'll be terrible. <clears throat> and the father, totally from love, because it's the most important thing in his life, the father loves his son. But he was giving him basically barking a series of what he thought were kind of tough love admonitions. And um, the more he said what he had said to his son, of course, I wanted to say, oh, that's exactly the wrong thing. I mean, and I said, well, what did he say then? I, I could ask, what did your son say then? He said, well, dad, but you don't understand thus, thus, and thus. In other words, um, they were having no effect. They were absolutely um, deflected by an iron shield of established um, uh, formation. And um, he just kept going on and on. But finally, I was motivated to ask this final question. Okay, I, I, I just heard it. I didn't say a thing. So, well, now, um, does he have a girlfriend? And immediately the father, at that point, the father lit up with a slightly different look. And he said, no, he doesn't. But my wife and I believe that's the answer. <laughs> Suddenly, my wife and I pray, and he's a devout Christian, this man, as is his wife. We pray that the, a girl, a, a young woman, would come into our son's life who would straighten him out. And uh, that's when I thought of David, uh, Jerry Rafferty. And I thought about this cast because the, the man, the father who was speaking to me, um, understood that much, probably from his own experience of second marriage or whatever it is, because he's got a great wife, um, he probably understood the life-changing importance of a woman who loves a man in such a way that he somehow gets a grip and finds the desire within himself to be a better person or to pull himself together and move forward. And she brings out of him, you might say, the very best. We ran into this in a parishioner in Scarborough who was very successful, very successful um, um, advertising executive in New York City and also a very devout Christian and a wonderful man, but a little bit heavy, like my friend I was really talking about. And he, his great, um, the Titanic, the great uh, albatross in his life, as he saw it, was his son, who was lost and wandering and completely without direction. And one day he came to me and said, you know, the strangest thing has happened. My, my, my son, da-da-da-da, has a girlfriend. And, and he, it's like he's a different person. He's, 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 all, he's gotten a job. He's gotten a job that has potential. He um, gets up in the morning. He's... Uh, He's um, purposeful, and plus he's nice. <laughs> and uh, I thought to myself, well, you know, what is happening there? Well, Jerry Rafferty um, says it. Listen to the last verse again. I didn't, uh, I only played an excerpt of the song, but the bridge verse that I played, you, 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 you made me, you, you saw in me something, he says. He's praising her. He's thanking her, almost thanking her as he would thank God if he were... A, uh, a deeply religious man in the temple or in the, um, like in the Bible with Jesus when they would go to the temple and give thanks or we do when something lovely and unexpected happens, some blessing occurs. We thank God. We cer certainly want to. We often forget, but you know what I'm saying. And um, it comes naturally. Well, uh, Jerry Rafferty is thanking because she sees in him, listen to the verse, something he didn't have, and, and then he, he becomes a better man. And his old habits, he says, they no longer mean anything to him. Now, 
that's imputation. Let's let's make it. Let's get that point of the pencil just a little bit more, and then uh, um, just uh, I'm going to reflect theologically about it and personally about it. Um, what's happening with imputation? Imputation is when someone, for reasons that are their own, that are unfathomable to you and bear no relation quantifiably, or uh, in terms of economy, in terms of equality to what you have to give to the equation, what your life is producing, someone sees in you something that you don't have. You certainly don't think you have. And when you are loved that way, and it often works, I want to talk about men and women in just a second, it often works, um, it can work both ways, but I see it most often with men who meet a woman for some odd reason who actually believes in them. They don't know why, but she does. For whatever reason, she's given to believe in them. Maybe she sees them wrong, but she believes in them. And that is um, striking. And when someone believes in you, you can go forward. You know, um, when in my darkest hour, says Jerry Rafferty, in my darkest hour, you believed in me. And that is, that is the key to a love that actually holds and uh, perdures like um, the song we heard uh, the Story of My Life by Marty Robbins. By the way, a, a wonderful um, reader of this podcast, one of my heroes in the operating now as a journalist in the Church of England, wonderful man. He, um, he knew Marty Robbins, who was a devout Christian, like everybody else had his issues, but a devout Christian. And my friend in England knows, uh, knew, uh, knew um, Marty Robbins. Oh my gosh, I want to touch him now. Um, this, you know, I saw Robert Plant on the street once. I really did. I was in about, about six inches from Robert Plant. And the same goes for Sting. But back to you. Um, the power of someone loving you for someone that you aren't, but just doing it and valuing you for a quality that you don't have creates the quality in you. That's what imputation does. It's not infusion, which is when you actually get a shot in the arm of the liquid or of the nitrate or of the, um, the medicine that you need. It's not that. It's a regard. You are regarded as something that you are not. And then out of some remarkable um, psychic, uh, you might call it a, a chemical reaction inside you, but it's unseen, but it's real. It's absolutely real. You for some reason, you find yourself with the very quality with which you have imputed. You know, we say this, uh, uh, an ugly duckling, a plain girl, when she's really loved, really loved by a man, she can literally, in front of your eyes, become beautiful. There's a couple of movies about that. The, when the ugly duckling it turns into the swan, it's almost always imputation. And in the case of men, um, and there is a distinction here, there's a historic <coughs> distinction, say what you will. You remember, the point of life uh, observations is to observe, not to give a narrative. And I observe men and women from years and years and years and years and years. And I've done hundreds of weddings, and I've been in the ministry, which is like being Somebody once said, uh, a therapist said, well, he said, I have about, I have six paying appointments every day uh, in which I've talked to people and try to help them in their problems. And I wanted to say, you know, you silly goose, goose, um, I, um, I have 50 appointments each day and I'm not paid <laughs> or most of them are unpaid. Um, some of them are generally paid, but I have 50 appointments. And, uh, you know, you say you got an MSW. Well, I should have gotten one based on a certificate of work accomplished, you know, after six months in hardcore parish ministry with all the mistakes because you see imputation. <clears throat> and the way we saw it again and again was a lost man 
is um, loved by a woman whom he values, and she loves him when he's lost, like God does. You know, God's office is at the end of our rope. Well, the office for change, the office that says uh, mobilization for change is at the end of our rope when and if, and often it doesn't happen, someone loves us there. It happens in that movie I told you about, that Jacques Duvivier movie, Tales of Manhattan, when the... uh, the uh, Edward G. Robinson character is uh, beloved at the end of the episode by uh, completely without deserving. He's a Bowery bum on Doyer Street in Chinatown. Ding, ding, ding. And he, um, he is loved uh, beyond himself. And you can see the, 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 the mechanism for change is happening under, under his eyebrows. You can see it right there. Well, that's all I wanted to say. I want to talk about imputation, which is when someone de- discerns in you something that you do not have by nature, and you certainly don't discern it yourself, and especially when you least discern it yourself. You're sleeping in, you can't, you're paralyzed, you no motion, no movement, no nothing, and someone still loves you. And ideally, it's when the guy loves the girl, Paula White, who is marvelous, has an, um, a meme about that, he, he, that, that uh, because she, she believes, as I do believe, in general, that there are distinctions between men and women, in general, many exceptions, of course. And one of the things she says is that what a man, to really find himself, to move forward, he desperately needs a woman who believes in him, not a woman, at first glance, who is an equivalent of... Uh, on par, the same, on parity with him, economically, power-wise, whatever that is. He needs someone who believes in him when he's at his worst. He needs someone who loves him when he's really, really lost and uh, moaning and lacerated. And that's what Jerry Rafferty's wonderful song connotes, and that's what this podcast is about. Don't we say on the Internet, you know, happy French bread day or happy... Adenoids Day or uh, Happy Universal Horror Movie Day. Well, today, as you listen to this, is Happy Imputation Day. And once more again, our friend. Just wanna see 